Support the Amigos podcast on Patreon or PayPal and receive cool perks and rad swag. Visit our page at everythingamiga.com support. Amiga, the first personal computer that gives you a creative edge. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Amigos. I'm John. And I'm Aaron. And today, Aaron, we're going to be talking about dogs of war. Yeah, yeah. Now, Aaron, th- this is this movie is obviously inspired by a certain kind of 80s action flick, I would say. Uh, you got your yeah. uh, you got your Commando. You got your Cobra. What's your favorite one of those type of movies? You know, those those kind of war movies where guys blow up like 300 weird enemies. <laughs> I've never gotten into them that much, to be completely mm-hmm. honest with you. I, I, I like some of the parodies of them. Like, like Hot, Hot Shots, Shots was, mm-hmm. comes to mind. Cause it's, because that era was so stupid. You know, it's the <laughs> stupid era. I will say I do like Predator, which was like they took that genre and put it on a spin, you know, and mm-hmm. added the alien. I thought that was pretty cool. But, I mean, if you sit and watch like... You know, if you watch the first Rambo, it's almost a real film, sorta. You know, and then it just the, the rest of them just go crazy. But I don't know. It watching one guy go through and slaughter a bunch of a nameless, weird, countryless enemies. I don't know. It doesn't do much for me. You know, I, I will creative, say that, You know, I will say that 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 genre probably hasn't aged that well uh, in, in no. this day of uh, in this day and age. I do, I do think about you know all of those faceless enemies. It's like, did they know what they were signing up for? This is like that conversation they have in one of those Kevin Smith movies about the the, the troops on the Death Star. Did they know what they were signing up for when they yeah. signed their contract with the Empire? Yeah, I, and 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 when you see like, I mean, all the time you'll see one of those guys mow, get a rail gun or something and mow down like <laughs> seventy guys. When you're the next crew to come out, I mean, what are you getting paid? <laughs> you're you know? not coming out. I, I'm out the door at that point. Yeah, when I see but, Rambo with a railgun, I'm gone. I'm gone. I will I'm say, I, this game, you're right. Talk about being, it's fully inspired by these cheesy movies. You had your Schwarzenegger. You had your uh, Stallone, right? To a lesser extent, you had your Von Dom. Uh, who, who, who did you, who was your guy? Or let's say you got your Seagal was sort of in there, but they were more martial arty than shooty shooty. Who am I yeah. missing here? You're Clint Eastwood, but really he wasn't, he made movies that were a, sl- a tier or two up for most of those. You know, I've always liked Stallone. I, you know, there's just something about the way he looks. He looks so dumb, you know, like, but it's an endearing dumb. Uh, he's yeah, got one is. of those dopey looking faces. It's amazing. All those guys, how cut, especially Stallone. I mean, they, they just got in such good shape for these movies. You look at their chiseled abs, and I mean, it, it sort of reminds me of myself in a way. You know, I, I think yeah. about all the work that I put in every day to maintain the physique that I possess. You know, but all those guys were on the gas boat. Uh, were every, they? Every last one of them. I'm shocked to hear that. I know. In fact, they've admitted it time and time. I mean, if you watch, go watch Rocky uh, 3, okay, mm-hmm. where you've got Mr. T and uh, Stallone in the ring. And Stallone is ripped, chiseled, and jacked. Yeah. Greased up, oiled up, and just, he's got everything. You know, and if you look at it, Stallone has all this meat on him. He's not a big guy. No. And nor- no, naturally, kind of a guy his size, size yeah. is not going to be, and Mr. T, too. They're neither one of them are big. 
you're not going to be super large and muscular without without uh, getting on the juice, uh, my friend. So hopefully he won't live to regret that. I'm sort of surprised. I know that um, what's his name did those Marine movies, the wrestler. John Cena. Um, yeah, John Cena. I'm surprised that more of the 80s wrestler crowd didn't make the jump into cinema. You didn't really see that outside of No Holds Barred, did you? Well, you've had three, actually. I think there's been three different guys play Marines in that series, and they were all wrestlers. Maybe four. I know John but these Cena are all these it. are all modern-day guys. I'm talking about, like, in the 80s when wrestling was really hot. I'm surprised that guys didn't really roll that over into a film career more well, often Jesse than they the, did. Well, Jesse the Body Ventura, who was in Predator and Running Man, he was in two, he was in several, okay. a couple of them. You got so a point there. I would say him. But really, like, Roddy Piper was in They Live, and Roddy Piper was in Hell Comes to Frog Town. Uh, what? So that, yeah, you never heard of that one? No. He plays what does the that last virile man on earth. It's a future. Yeah, you need to watch Hell Comes to Frogtown. <laughs> you definitely need to watch that one, Bo. It's right up your alley. But Sounds so if like you, it. A few wrestlers made it. You know, a lot of wrestlers, people don't like, uh, remember, uh, I know you're not a big Bond fan, but in Goldfinger, you had Professor Tour Tanaka who played uh, Odd Job. And then you had another wrestler who played the bad guy in You Only Live Twice. He played the, the grunt. I think that was uh, 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 boy. It was a it was a Hawaiian fella. I can't remember the name right off the top of his head. So some wrestlers made the leap. Uh, George Animal Steel was in Ed Wood, you know. So you some guys did it, but you know, yeah, you're right. They didn't try their hand at being the lead star, probably because they can't act. That'd be my yeah, guess. I, I was going to say, I wonder if they're just sort of inability. Because the big thing that I love about A's wrestling is that none of the big guys ever talked. They always had the the manager that did the talking. Well, all so, the bad guys did. Yeah, it, yeah. really, uh, wrestling is a different form of acting from actual acting. If you, When you see actual wrestlers try to act, it's often porn-level acting or lower, or but sometimes it's <laughs> high school production level, you know, mm. really bad. Like, you're embarrassed when someone walks in the room bad. You know, I've said, I've had a, a lot of, like, quickly change the channel when, when my mom would walk in because it was so stupid that I didn't want her to think I was stupid by, by association. You were just you know? embarrassed to be seen with the uh, with the level yeah. of acting. Which it makes it all the more remarkable that what Dwayne The Rock Johnson has done. He's the highest, yeah. payer, highest paid actor in Hollywood, I he, think. Well, I mean, listen, here's a guy who, he was a, he was He's one of the all-time great wrestlers. And Stone Cold was another one. He Stone Cold was in some movies, you know. Those guys were a different sort of uh, a cut above a lot of these yeah. other guys, you know. But yeah, The Rock. It's but it is it is he is the wrestling's number one success story by a long shot. And he, if you've ever seen any of his movies, like The Rundown, I think was one that was that was that was very similar to like a game like this where you go out and try to you know you're out there confronting these guys. He's pretty good, you know. He he can pull it off, you know. Mm-hmm. But he's yeah. done some duds too. Doom comes to mind. It was such a really <laughs> stupid film. But uh, there you go. Well, speaking of stupid films, Aaron, what's been going on on the Amigos Retro Gaming uh, YouTube channel this week? <laughs> what are you, what are you implying, Boat? <laughs> what a segue, Boat. That's that's great. We've actually had a lot of sweet, sweet, luxurious action this week, Boat. Mm. If I may say, uh, gosh, a, a ton of stuff. So let's start off. I'm, I'm trying to. Think, I think this got released uh, just after we went. We did Amigos last week, which was my stream in salute of the veterans. But it was a Veterans Day stream. I did. I had a good turnout for this, and so I thought I'd stick it up here. But it was me playing a bunch of military type games. You know, uh, games with soldiers, games sure, with yeah. the tanks, you know, games with airplanes and helicopters and stuff like that. We had a good time. 
Okay, went a couple hours. Played some wacky stuff. Had a real good run here at the end. Uh, actually, it was uh, Rob Flacco here. I suggested, I, I believe it was him that played this game. I was going to say, uh, what game is that right there? That looks pretty good. This is a Game Boy Advance game. I think it's called like Army Man. Oh, yeah. So, there were a uh, bunch yeah. of those. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there were. They're like 18 chameleon. <laughs> now, I played. I finished the first whole level of this. Mm-hmm. And you know me, and uh, uh, patience not my not my strong suit. And I did want to kill myself before it was over, but it was very, <laughs> I was happy when it was done. So yeah, if you want to see a bunch of crazy army games, you also get to hear me wax on about my grandfather, which you I know you've heard those stories oh, yeah. millions of times. Heck of a guy! By God, it was it was Veterans Day. I was going to get my stuff in boats. So there you yeah. go. Um, let's talk about. Um, oh man, I guess we should talk about this. Uh, since it's pretty, me and the Brent last week, we we had our throwdown on uh, the second on ARG battle Presents. episode of ARG Presents. What's that? The second battle episode of ARG Presents. This is the second battle episode. Uh, you know, it's funny. I went back. I watched the first battle episode. And it was right when the pandemic hit, and I didn't have a good setup, and so it's not not the easiest thing to watch. Mm. Plus, we're not good anyway. But at least this time, the production levels were better, and we still weren't good. But this time out, it was Atari ST versus the Amiga 500. I got to say, uh, Boat, this was one of our most well-received episodes. In fact, it was one of the most popular ones we've ever released, mm-hmm. uh, which I I, mean, I guess is because a lot of people like Amigas and a lot of people like Atari ST. And I, w- I promise you, I would planned on coming in here and stomping Brent in, into a fine powder. But a funny thing happened on my way to the stomping, it's like I did some research, and when I did the research, I, I had to pull b- the boots back quickly because it turns out uh, the Atari ST is not uh, some uh, big wad of garbage that you can stomp on. This thing was actually a, a pretty decent computer, and when you add in several factors, it made this a heck of a close call. Uh, mm. In fact, we ran a poll after the show. We ran a poll uh, amongst the people that were in the, uh, di- uh, in the chat and to see who won. And it was a tie. It was a straight up tie. Uh, so, uh, uh, and I, I agreed with it and so did Brent. So this is, this is one I think you might get a kick out of if you're into the Atari ST or the Amiga and you want to see a couple guys talk about it without fanboying out the nines, which is what we didn't do. I wanted to fanboy out the nines, but again, I, I just couldn't do it because the, <laughs> I was being realistic, boat. you know how I am with that. So anyway, if you want to check that out, ARG presents Atari ST versus Amiga 500. Uh, we'll be filming a new uh, ARG on Sunday at 9 a.m. This time out, uh, we chose uh, we spun fight, which means we both are picking a, a fighting game and we're going to go to war. And I guarantee you, because I know what Brent picked, there will be a stomping involved in this one. I assure you. Although it'll listen, be I know what game Brent picked, and that stomping is undeserved. But I'll I leave it say, at that for now. I, I will say this, but as a music man. That you are, all right? I am a music man. That CD that came with the SNES version, that was top shelf. Man, I've heard yeah, that was. thing a million times. I'm not going <laughs> to be bashing that. Um, let's talk about... <laughs> I'm going to let you talk about this one, Boat. I, this got some interesting uh, <laughs> comments. It was your uh, ZX Spectrum professional ski simulator, Boat. You know, it's funny. We'll, we'll talk about this in a little bit. Oh, actually, uh, no, that... I, take it back we will talk about it now uh <laughs> this is professional ski simulator for the zx spectrum this is another one of these unboxing and review episodes of uh our sinclair solo uh that, that i i put together uh this is a game that nobody should ever play it is <laughs> it is one of the worst games ever 
And that's saying something because the spectrum for all of the gold on the spectrum, there's a whole lot of crap on the spectrum too. And this is the lowest of the dirt worst. This comes to us from Codemasters. It's one of their early budget releases. And boy, this is a game where you take off down a ski slope with a, against an AI opponent. And who does the camera choose to focus on? The player? The person with the joystick? Heck no. The camera focuses on your AI opponent. So as your AI opponent goes down the hill at Mach 3, the camera follows him down the hill, leaving you at the top of the hill to, to negotiate the moguls and the berms and all those <laughs> all those words I don't completely understand by yourself. This is oh, a that's... horrible game, Aaron. It's it's a it's a pretty looking game. You know, it's a, it's monocolor. It does look but, good. <laughs> but it is it is the worst. It is the dirt worst. One would wonder how that would uh, leave the shop with the camera. Like that. <laughs> what would what, what I, I mean, who could play test something like that and be like, "Up, oh, good enough." <laughs> yeah, not I, not I. I think it was a it was a it was a different world when it was released. I have a feeling it might have been a little rushed out the door. But anyway, if you want to watch me struggle with that, check that video out. I've got to watch that one because I would see it again. That, just for that little clip, that looks great. Now here's an interesting one. You know, uh, our good buddy. Uh, Rob Flack O'Hara has started to do some Steam stream or some streaming. It's not it's, although this is off Steam, but he started to do some streaming. And uh, uh, the other day, I caught the tail end of one of his streams, and he was playing this crazy looking uh, uh, Paperboy knockoff. And by God, here it is! It's a Sprite Castle plays the Video Kid. Yeah, uh, have you have you heard of this one, Boat? It's funny, I, I've, I I never heard of this before, and I tuned into Flack Stream, and I was watching him play it, and I was like, holy cow, this is exactly the kind of game that I've always thought about making. Uh, I always thought that Paperboy would lend itself extremely well to an Endless Runner-style game. I didn't think about the VHS delivery angle, I, w I must admit, but uh, this looks like a really, really fun game, and I think it's only three or four bucks, so I, I may pick this one up. Listen, this is great. I, I, it looks great. I saw this. I was like, "Holy smokes!" I was. I asked him. I was like, "What is that?" And he, you know, I mean, <laughs> this. It's funny. We just. I did a thing where I reimagined some game. We played some reimagined games, and this right here is someone doing a reimagining of a classic game. Because listen, if you try to make Paperboy two, you know, or three, or however, and you're, you're at best, you're gonna not. You're gonna do okay. This at worst, like you're going to end take, up with that N64 game. At worst, yeah, they take so. a Paperboy concept here, and then they go bananas, and that's what you—that's what you do, go bananas. Uh, so, yeah, good for him, and good on Flack. He's been getting them in uh, this week. So, here's one boat. Uh, this is Ask the Amigos uh, for November Part Two. Mm -hmm. uh, us ask uh, answering questions, having a good time, uh, chilling and nailing. I do, I do miss answering these together boat because it's fun yeah. to look over at you and, and wonder what in god's name you're talking about or <laughs> to call you an idiot right to your face uh but uh, uh i miss all of our shows together i'll be honest I know, with you i know uh but uh that much said man i'm holding on for the i'm hoping this vaccine is a, we hit the pay window here in a couple months boat I'm, Me uh, too. there's gonna be a loving embrace get the cameras ready but until then you can enjoy me and boat Answering questions, most of which we have no business being involved, <laughs> including questions about if people's employment, people, people should go on vacation. Job all advice, things we are not qualified at all to give advice on. I was listening to some of this earlier, and I was, and one of our buddies who had, had just lost his job, but we were given this job advice, and I thought to myself, I've had so many jobs, I thought to myself, I, you're the worst person 
that could conceivably be giving job <laughs> advice to any any person. But by God, I'd do it anyway. Being right or wrong never stopped me from talking. That's for darn sure. Uh, and last on the docket, Boatster, another uh, offering from our good buddy, the Flack, the Flackster. And this is Spray Castle Place Jeopardy. Jeopardy boat. It's funny how many t- hours I spent on classic machines playing Jeopardy boat. I don't know about you. You know, it's funny. I didn't school, spend. We played it all the time. I didn't spend as much time on Jeopardy as I did the wheel. I feel like I we played did. Wheel of Fortune on every conceivable yeah. console. And another game that doesn't get a lot of love these days that I played a lot was Classic Concentration. <laughs> You know the game where you uncover the matching uh, the matching symbols, and then the puzzle is like an anagram. So it's like a picture of a ring and some ice yeah, or yeah. something. Yeah, yeah. I played that a ton on the the PC, on the NES, on all kinds of things. You know, the funny thing about that uh, boaster is that those old TV uh, game shows were not that tough to pull off on the computer, and they and they came across pretty well. Yeah. Even if you had a, even if you had a CGA Vanna White pixelating her butt across the screen you know or whatever it worked and it was a lot of fun and man we played a ton of these cards yeah rob just mentioned card sharks that's another one i used to play uh but i played a ton of wheel of fortune you were dead on there man that was one i used to play so kudos and it's neat to see somebody covering some jeopardy uh I, i've spent a lot of time and, and it's funny like you said on, across all systems consoles computers I've played them all. You know, another thing, Monopoly, something I've played on like 50 systems. So I don't mm-hmm. know what There you go. So there you go. Some good stuff this week uh, uh, up on the channel. If you head over to our uh, YouTube channel, uh, Amigos Retro Gaming, and please uh, subscribe, hook up, give us the hook up. You know, we love it. Give us some thumbs up. Give us some love. We love that stuff, man. We like, comment, you. subscribe. That's right. We never do that stuff. And I live every show I've ever listened to. That's the, <laughs> they always pound that. They're like, ring the bell, and I'm always like, what bell? What's he talking about? The notification bell. It turns out. So there you, you go. You can ring boat. my bell. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of went without that boat. <laughs> Aaron, I thought we'd talk a little bit about what Neil and I talked about on This Week in Retro this week, because oh, I have yes. a feeling that, that you might have some thoughts on this. The first yeah, one. That just, did that just come out today, Bo? It just came out today. Yeah, we I didn't reco- get to hear that. It was great. We I'm recorded glad yesterday. We, we took a week off last week. I hope that you didn't unsubscribe from our show because we took a week off, but I was I was down with disease, and we, we just didn't have it in us, and by we, I mean me. You were so down this with week, sickness. Yeah, that's right. I'm back and better than ever, which is really just slightly better than awful. But uh, we talked about FujiNet for the Atari 8-bit, Aaron. Have you heard about FujiNet before? No, I haven't heard about that. FujiNet is the new hotness. You know, both you and I have these uh, these SD card solutions for our Atari 8-bits. Well, this thing is like that on steroids. So not only is this thing a SD card floppy emulator, this thing also gives you internet connectivity. It gives you networking capabilities. It's a printer interface. It lets you connect to BBSs. You can do everything with FujiNet. You know, so if I, you, I have heard of this. You know where I heard about it? Where? Not the plug plug. They've been talking about this over on Pixel Guide N. Mm, I believe yes. uh, they both have one of these things, and I believe Eric is uh, in the wheelhouse of the beta testing on this thing. Mm. And, and and believe it or not, they uh, they just talked about I'm pretty sure this is the island they talked about where they, they live right down the road from a place called the Brewing Academy where they're cranking these things out. That's so right. I, That's right. So there, Yeah, so there you go. So I, I guess I have heard about those. Go, go ahead. This I know thing is great. on my list. The the thing that, you know, obviously 
the the SD card, it's actually a compact flash card. I have a my IDE card um, cartridge for my Atari bit, and it it leaves something to be desired in terms of compatibility. A lot of stuff works, but a lot of stuff doesn't. This thing is apparently compatible with every kind of file type that's possible. Plus, you can set it up to just transfer files wirelessly. You FTP into it just like you would a Pi, where you can transfer files to the SD card from your PC. And that's amazing to me that you can do that through the Atari 8-bit. But what I talked about mostly on This Week in Retro is a weather app for FujiNet where you can make this thing run. It will pull weather data off the open weather database and display it 90s weather channel style on your screen. And that makes me happy, Aaron. You might think, why does that make you happy? Why do you care? What's well, because when I sit down in my, my, I call it my happy place here in the studio where I'm surrounded by the Atari, the Amiga 1000, and my classic Fantastic Mac. I don't have anything fun to just have on in the background with the Atari. You know, I, there's not really any cool demos that the Atari can run. It's not like the Amiga. I mean, there are some demos for the Atari, but I want something passive where I can just kind of look over and I see the system going. And this is the thing for me. I, you know, plus who doesn't want to know what the weather is? It's a good thing to know. I don't. Not in the winter, I don't. <laughs> what difference does the weather make it's not like we can go outside anymore but yeah i i, I did hear about this the weather at the whole nine yards it, it is now here's the thing is this something i personally would need probably not i just sit around playing games uh but i do i will say the ftp aspect of it i do like and from what i've heard this thing is like the swiss army knife of of atari gimmicks uh, and uh, it's not it's I, I, I've heard the price is even pretty reasonable in the boat. It's not real super expensive. It, it? It's 50 or 60 bucks. It's the yeah. same price as all of the all of the, you know, SD card gimmicks out there. So they 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 went out of their way to not rake anybody over the coals on this thing. Yeah, that's a that's a heck of a I mean, in all honesty, even if that's something even if you're not going to fiddle with it that much at that price, pick one up just to screw with, you know, right. Yeah, I think that's dandy. I, I, I'm definitely going to have to check out your show because I want to hear about that. Because like I said, the boys at Pixel Gate have been all over this thing. Yeah. Now, there was one more thing that I wanted to tell you about, Aaron. The Warrior 64 console is coming out. Have you heard about the Warrior 64? Is this like the Ultimate Warriors version of the 64? <laughs> it is. They What they do is they apply some face paint very carefully oh, to the nice. outer shell of it. No, this, that's not what this is. What they've done is they've ripped original N64 boards out of their casings and stuffed them in a new, slightly less cool casing and then added HDMI support. Does that excite you, Aaron? So this is sort of like that, uh, the metal Dreamcast case that we talked about a while right. back. Yes, but no, it doesn't excite me, and I'll tell you why. Um, I don't, I don't care. You know, here's the thing: the N64 hasn't aged well, boat. Uh, as you, in terms of its, uh, the gra- it's not its fault. I'm not saying it's crap. I'm just saying it, its graphics. It was right there, sort of like the PlayStation was in that transitional phase of 3D, and so it looks sort of clunky a lot of times. And the thought of hooking that up to your HDMI with and having super sharp pristine graphics—I don't see that's going to be a benefit to the uh, to the uh, to the old N64. And I'm guessing also this thing ain't cheap, knowing that the way these things go. It's not cheap. And what if I told you that Metal Jesus said it was one of the biggest disappointments of his life firing this thing up? Why did you know? One would wonder why old Metal Jesus would get so fired up about an N64 case in the first place. 
He it's went on a games better. He went on an epic rant against this thing. Apparently, the HDMI output is roughly identical to what you get with one of those thirty dollar adapters that just plug into the composite. So how much? Take how that much for this what thing you cost, Boaster? This you thing get- runs you about one hundred and fifty bucks, all told, uh, fully assembled. You can, I think, you can buy it in kit form. Um, but uh, yeah, one hundred fifty bucks out the door. Which, I mean, to be honest with you, it's not a bad price for a you know basically a real n64 board with a custom case and a controller a really a redesigned controller i don't think yeah. that's a bad price but if you're promising the brightest hdmi output ever devised and when you compare it against one of those 30 dollar adapters and the 30 dollar adapter is slightly better you've made a bad move you know you know we're going into a weird let's take a little side track here for a minute boat we're in a weird area now you know before the argument was between emulation and real hardware right mm-hmm. and then the argument was between emula uh, real hardware and fpgas right and i guess right. emulation is still in the fight and i those are i can understand this but now we're into the world where you could where the argument is original case or weird new case and this is We've a this the argument I didn't see this one coming, but I guess people looked around and like, listen, they've changed. They've got FPGA. They've got emulation. What can we do to make a buck? And they're like, let's make a fancy new case. You know, like you love the, the NES, right? And the Super mm-hmm. Nintendo. What if some sucker made a stainless steel, solid gold, you know, mega case with your face and name sprawled over? Whatever would make you happy. I mean, is there a point where you decide, I want, I mean, I want to get a new case for this thing. I mean, is it part of the nostalgia that you would feel for that sort of thing, the way it looks, or is it not the way it looks? I mean, if it doesn't matter, like, I don't know. It's weird what people are into. I, I cannot figure it out. It's strange. Well, I think, I think you've got, to, you've got to separate these projects out a little bit. So on the one hand, you have something like the Checkmate case, which is a new case for your Amiga 500, but in addition to just being a new housing, it also gives you expansion capabilities the original 500 didn't give you, okay? Right. So you got that on one end, and on the other end is... factor. Right. On the other end, you've got your metal Dreamcast. And I think that this is just... it's, It's set up for people that feel like they want to get that next that next hit of uh, of adrenaline from looking at something new you know they've been looking at their plain old dreamcast and, they, and maybe the dreamcast is starting to lose its luster a little bit and they're like man if i could just get a metal one that would reignite my passion for this machine and that's a fool's errand you can't recapture the nostalgia of the classic console of your youth by coating it with a shiny metal you can you take know, my that theory the on this uh is that this isn't aimed at people that have owned the nintendo for 20 years at all I think these case replacements and some other things, by the way, are aimed at people that got into the retro game. And this is not a, I'm I'm not knocking it. I'm just saying, I think it's aimed at people that got into the retro gaming scene that don't have a ton of nostalgia for these machines because they're not that old. Mm -hmm. I think this is aimed at the the same uh, people that, that want to uh, uh, just have something unique and different to sell on their shelf, you know, uh, that kind of crowd. Uh, I can't, I just, it's hard for me. I've known plenty of people that were passionate about certain consoles or computers, which is fine, but I don't know. I don't think I've known any of them that have waxed. I mean, I guess, you know, they did make new cases for the Amiga. In fact, I've got one here, uh, the, the black case, but I mean, it looked like the old case, which is a different color. Some of these things, they don't, I mean, the, like the metal Dreamcast, they present, it doesn't look like the old Dreamcast. It's a whole different setup. It's expensive. Mm-hmm. I mean, 
I wonder if this is just, uh, I think it's just another angle to, I mean, to make some money. Now, if people want to buy this stuff, it's a good angle. You know, it's a, it's a choice. It just, it's, it is odd to me that these things are coming out now. And I suspect we're going to see them for right across the board, Boat. I'll be honest with you. Yeah. I guarantee you this will not be the last redesigned <laughs> console case that we see. These are, these are, these are coming fast and furious. But I, say, at I, don't any have, rate, I don't have a problem with it. Heck, everyone get whatever you want. The heck with it. Yeah. At any rate, if you're interested in you know more of my thoughts, plus uh, Neil from RMC waxing about this stuff, we also talk about the new retro cafe over in Burnley. Aaron, you know where Burnley is? I don't. It's up near Leeds. Okay. You know where Leeds is? Either. I don't know where that's at either. No. <laughs> and of course. We have to talk about the latest Spectrum Next, ZX Spectrum Next news. There's a new Spectrum Next clone board, Aaron. You know, uh, it sort of does for the ZX Spectrum Next what the Unamiga does for the Amiga, if you know what I'm saying. I do know what you're saying. That's interesting. Yeah. All right, Aaron, let's move on to this week's Amiga news. Aaron, first up out of the gate. Right out of the gate, we have a new video from the one and only Pixel Vixen, Aaron. This is why the Commodore Amiga 1200 is my all-time favorite computer. Now, Aaron, I enjoyed this video a lot, mostly because, you know, Pixel Vixen, great lady, great girl. I think that she does great work, great artwork. I think that her her pixel art is fantastic. Uh, But... What I really enjoyed seeing was the scenic fall Japan scenery behind when she was talking. She did a, a couple walk around segments, and I just loved seeing where she's living in Japan. It was really cool. And she's yeah. also interviewed several other people that are crazy about the 1200, talking about what uh, what makes it special to them. Now, Aaron, the 1200 is your personal favorite Amiga, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I think I would say it, it is. Uh, it's uh, it's the most. I think it's the most functional. You know, but of course I haven't. It, I haven't really played with the big box amigas that much, so I could be I could be coaxed into like them. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'd say it's my favorite. I, you know, I will say I've seen a, a couple of pixel uh, pixel mixes videos from Japan, and that's my favorite part too. There was one where she walked to this park, and it was beside a river, and it was just awesome. You know, it's neat to see. I like seeing the scenery in Japan. It's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. So check that out. Uh, next out of the docket. I keep saying docket. You got me into the docket scene, I know. I got you doing that. I love that. Uh, Software Amusements, Aaron, is is a a site where you can go. This is Mutation Software. They now have downloadable CD32-compatible disk images of all of their libraries. So these guys are the ones that are releasing the, the games like Wiz, uh, a bunch of games that we've talked about in the past, Tommy Gun, Tin Toy Adventure. Uh, if you are into those and you want CD32 versions of them, you can actually get what's called the Mutation Gold Compilation. This thing is fourteen ninety nine, not a, not a bad price at all when you consider that it comes with all of their latest releases. It features Doodlebug, Cyberpunks, Tin Toy, Tommy Gun, and Castle Kingdoms for the CD32. Um, this thing looks pretty good. Uh, it comes with a full color 12 centimeter inlay artwork cover. So you can uh, burn a CD. You can make a jewel case with the artwork. You can go to town. Um, I think $14.99 for this collection is a pretty good price. And CD32 owners, they're always looking for more love. Listen, this is a smart move uh, by these fellas. Get it up there. Make it accessible. You know, keep it. Keep the price in a decent spot. 15 bucks for like five or six games when the games are going for, you know, four or five bucks a spot. 
you're coming out ahead. If, I mean, I have we haven't played all these games. I played some, but hey, I like that. It's and plus selling the uh, ISOs were good. It's great, smart move. You know, if you've got a CD32, like I've said this before, this is the best time in the history of the world to have owned a CD32. The best, cheapest hardware and tons and tons of software. They've got the uh, They've got the ports of the, of the Amiga stuff coming over in those collections where they've made it so that you can play them with the uh, joystick, the, the controller that came with the CD32. This is it. This is the perfect time to have a CD32. And if you if that's your only Amiga, not only can you get by, you can actually have a darn good time. So any way it goes, you're covered. And it's yeah. funny, 10 years ago when these things were, they were giving away CD32s, this would have been awesome. But now CD32s cost $18 billion, so <laughs> your market's going to be limited on those. But yeah, I think that's a good idea. I like it, man. And finally, Aaron, this week, our final Amiga video comes to us from Neil, a.k.a. RMC, The Cave. He is learning to love the Commodore Amiga 600 <laughs> by way of uh, an Amiga 600 that has made his way to The Cave. Yeah. Uh, Neil has a, uh, a sort of a love-hate relationship with the 600, I think it's fair to say. Uh, he yeah. talks about how when it was first announced, how disappointed he was because it was essentially a non-upgrade over the Amiga 500 that he already yeah. owned and how he felt like it was really the harbinger of doom. And of course, this was backed up by several quotes by the man himself, uh, Mr. Pleasance, as he's known around these parts. Yeah, sure. So, but. Neil, you know, the thing that I love about watching Neil is, of course, you know, you love to hear him speak, but I love when he starts his teardown and he replaces all of the capacitors he talks about. there. Did you know there's a new kind of capacitor that is leak free, Aaron? I, I had heard something about that. Yeah. 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 So he orders some some capacitors. He really doesn't do much. I think uh, the bulk of his repair work is going to come into the next video, but he goes yeah. over the various upgrades that he's going to put in. He talks about this power supply that he ordered. I've never seen anything like this before. This is a power supply that actually has a little mini LED in it that gives you a readout of the voltages. Yeah. Those power supplies are the new hotness. I've seen mm. a lot of people get I, I, the power supplies I've got for the. Uh, remember, I had to replace one for the Atari uh, computer and the Commodore 64, and mine look exactly the same except in the little view window, it doesn't display the statistics; it just has the logos. Mm -hmm. But yeah, uh, always a good idea to get new uh, new power supplies. I'm, I'm I'm finding out. You know, it's funny. I was I watched this video the other day when it popped, and I'm with Neil, uh, the Amiga. Six. I mean, it's not like we're the only ones, but the Amiga 600, when it came out, was an absolute horror uh, because you had been waiting patiently for the hot, cool new item. And then this was a, like he says, it was, in some ways it was a step backward. I mean, they eliminate the, the edge connector. You know, what the hell were they thinking? Well, what they were thinking was, we're idiots that can't run a computer company is what they were thinking. <laughs> and yes, and, and Neil was right when he thought that when he said to himself, this is not good, this could be their honeys it was I mean, yeah this was it mm -hmm. and it's it's funny now because me and you having we've both used that amiga 600 that we got uh, uh with the uh, pal uh motherboard on it and we both loved it and we yeah. both loved it for the same reason it's this is so small yeah uh, and and which also this was not a uh an, a, this wasn't a good thing back then either uh to be honest with you because they getting rid of the uh it just it seemed cut rate you know mm -hmm. at the time 
Uh, well, they they removed this... they removed some features. They added other features, but the real killer was that they that the price. If they could have put this thing yeah. at two hundred pounds, they would have had a winner. But what they did was they priced it as much or more than an Amiga five hundred. The cartoon pack, which came with tons of software, had more functionality, with the exception of the useless PCMCI port and uh, of course the, the IDE hard drive, which you could add to a five hundred with one of those sidecar things. Well, so. you know, we've talked about that PCMCA slot before. Useless garbage. Well, I mean you. <laughs> You're a young man, Bode. PCMCIA cards were th- were very prominent on laptops back in that era. Okay, they were they and so when they put, believe it or not, when they put that in, I was impressed because it's something that PCs had, and so you're like, okay, maybe we got something cooking here, and it was a hot swappable, you know, item, you know. Now they nothing really came of it, you know, frankly. I mean, you could put you. They, they use it now. Like Neil's got to use it to transfer stuff. That's what I've done. Uh, but, but I mean, that wasn't like a dud. It wasn't like they screwed you. Was that better than the sl- the the edge connector? No. Uh, but it seemed like it might be better at the time. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then the IDE is the big deal that that got put in there. That was now that was a big deal. But you're putting an IDE connector. I never understood why they put an IDE connector in a budget what was supposed to be a budget computer I, when i mean yes the i guess they had to do it because they got rid of that edge connector but i mean I've, i have a feeling that the pcmca slot and the ide card or the ide connector are probably what pushed that thing over the price threshold that they were looking for in the first place oh you know? I, I, undoubtedly it was yeah. it, it definitely wasn't that you know the uh, the, the chipset so then you had then you had incompatibilities that crept in uh, a lot of that was from oh, great. A lot of it was from the Kickstart that that it came with. But yeah. you also had some software. Neil mentions this too that did that required that uh, that the uh, keep it, the numpad and not mm-hmm. not being there was an issue, you know. But I mean, this is just a dud. But it's great, much like the CD32. We were just talking about it. It's great to see that this machine has, has got a new uh, a life breathed into it in the past ten years and have become hot properties. And that's because of really good uh, accelerators, plus the Vampire has had a lot to do with it. Uh, and the fact that it had an IDE built in, you've got that gives you the ability to run those WHD loads. So we're in a whole new era of these things now. But at the time, Neil's right. I was right. When he was talking about this, I, I felt the exact same way. When I heard the specs, I thought this is an absolute disaster. Mm. And it was. Hmm. Well, that's going to wrap it up for this week's news. Of course, we will l- waiting with bated breath for Neil to uh, release part two of his uh, A600 series. And uh, but uh, we move on to this week's Amiga game of the week: Dogs of War. Dogs of War boat. I like it when me and you actually have actually sort of played this, <laughs> played something in the past, and this one we actually <laughs> had played. So we, I wasn't completely uh, out of the loop uh, when this thing popped up. I looked it up, but just for fun, we played this uh, on the Amigathon 2018 in the 19th hour. That was a dark hour, Aaron. <laughs> it was a very dark hour. I believe this is the last hour we have footage of from that. Uh, was that was this hour? It was too much for the network. Dogs of War got, brought it down. Yeah, it got much darker. Uh, Dogs of War is sort of <laughs> one of the things I remember. I was like, right before it slid down the hill. Yeah. <laughs> and it wasn't Dogs of War's fault, but it was. It didn't help. So. Uh, Dogs of War uh, released in '89, and uh, on a disc, it had one to two players, 
uh, developed by an outfit called Vector Dean. Uh, this was a uh, uh, this was a port from the Atari ST uh, over to the Amigas, the two platforms it was released on. Uh, this was converted over by a fellow named Steve Bach. Uh, Bo, he's actually done some stuff we liked, some stuff we didn't like. Uh, he did Aquatic Games. Remember that one? Yeah, good game. He did, he did Bad Company, Battleships. He did Fright Night, <laughs> which mm, is another good well. <laughs> I liked Fright Night, the sort of. It was goofy. Gold Runner. He did James Pond 2. Uh, okay. So he's done, he's done some uh, pretty good stuff. Yeah. Uh, uh, it was code. Uh, one of the coders was Tim Coop. He did Fire, Brimstone, and Bart vs. Space Mutants. Graphics were done by a fellow named Chris Sorrell, who also worked on Brad Company, Fire, and Brimstone. He worked on all the James Ponds, and he worked on that Splitting Image game that we played. Remember that one? Mm-hmm. That was horrible. And the music, good old reliable. He's always around. Call him up, David Whitaker who has done, God, about a million things. The ones that come to my mind immediately are Alfred Chicken, uh, the Xenons, uh, the original Shadow of the Beast, Golden Axe, Lemmings 2, and he also worked on Fright Night, the Fright Night Connection intact boat. Uh, this was released <laughs> for the OCS uh, and uh, uh, is a, I guess you would call this sort of a, this is sort of a throwback game, isn't it, boat? Well, yeah, it's 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 a, uh, I don't, I you know, eighty nine. I don't know if it's if it's old enough or new enough in eighty nine to really be called a throwback. These types of games were still being released by the dozen in the arcades in eighty nine. Well, yeah, yeah, I suppose you're right. I mean, it was it was. I guess maybe that it was to me. It seems old school, but you're right. It is old enough to be where old school was current school. So, what is Dogs of War? Dogs of War is a game where you run around and kill wave after wave of bad guys with your various guns. That's the, that's the jut of the game. That's basically the long and short of the game. Yeah. Uh, but there is enough, uh, there's some different s- slants than you would normally see that make the game um, sort of unique, I guess. Uh, amongst those are your ability to purchase weapons. Now, I remember when we played this the first time, we were baffled at this screen. And well, part they, of our... They, I they don't part give of the you... problem was that we couldn't identify which bullets with the what gun, which that was because we're idiots. Yeah, that uh, was just because we're dumb. Yeah. But, the, you know, if you consult the manual for extra help in in in, in purchasing your loadout, you will receive no assistance. Uh, yeah. One of the things that yeah. really would have made this game cool and could have made it more educational is, you know, they they took the trouble to to build in all of these realistic weapons. I assume they're realistic. I'm no firearms expert. Yeah, it would have been either. great if it, this game, you know, just like so many games came with little novellas or whatever if this game would have come with like a magazine that would have told you about the history of these guns you know what they're used for and it could have helped yeah. you you know uh in in each level especially if they would have put like hey you know there's going to be you know tanks in this level or something like that then you can look up in the magazine well what do i need to to, to beat back these tanks that would have been cool yeah you know what i can envision here boat you ever seen those like it's they're like uh, uh guns and ammo type magazines but they're like yeah. soldier of fortune i think it's one right right that would have been a great by the way, the, I, I'm assuming you saw the manual of this. The manual of this, at least the one I saw in Hall of Light, was like it was like three paragraphs long. Yeah, it was and so most tough. of it is how to load the game. Yeah, it, they, 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 it really leaves a lot to uh, to. It, it's a shame because this game could have benefited from a lot of a, a lot more material. 
Yeah, I, I like the idea, though. <laughs> I think that would be cool. A Soldier of Fortune-style magazine. They could go over all the guns in, like, a review format and even talk about some yeah. of the conflicts. See yeah, I mean, this is this obviously, thing. you know, Dogs of War... It's it's a it's a game from Elite. It's it's not this is not going to be one of the all time greatest games of all time. But, you know, I think about a game like the Leisure Suit Larry game. I think it's three where he's on the island and they turn the manual into a travel brochure for the island. Yeah. Your Soldier of Fortune magazine idea where they actually list like they give bios of all the guys that you have to rescue or whatever. Yeah. There's endless possibilities there. What a missed opportunity. That they would can even so talk cool. about your characters and stuff. Yeah. Because yeah. there's precious little to, you know, to know about them. So once you pick and you spend, uh, you get quite a bit of money to pick guns and, you, and you'll get to buy more stuff after you complete a level. Then it's time to choose your theater of war, right? And mm-hmm. this thing gives you tons of options, man. You're right going off everywhere the bat. from Canada to Mexico, uh, South America, Australia. There's several things in Europe and Asia. Uh, you you get tons of choices, and each choice is a little story. Like you're rescuing a hostage, or you're looking for a piece of hardware, or uh, something like that, or there's a, or there's a, a, a soldier you need to capture, or a, or a former Nazi agent. There's a ton of different ones. That you can go through. Now, ultimately, these aren't. The funny thing about this game is a lot of what you're of what you do at the beginning of it is sort of like uh, window dressing uh, for for the actual game itself. Because when the actual game starts, it's not unlike every other game of this type you've ever seen. You're a guy with your various guns, and you go through wave after wave of bad guys who just aimlessly wander around, and you try to get to the end of the level. And most of the levels, the when you get to the end, there's not even really a, a big throwdown. There's a couple levels they'll have like a maybe like a, a larger gun or a flamethrower, maybe a couple trucks or something. But I mean, it's not like you're fighting like mechs or unbel- unbeatable mega soldiers. It's yeah, just there, mostly, there, there really aren't bosses in this game. There uh, are. There are. You just when you get to the end of the level, there's usually a dude. He's just hanging out. He's he's motionless, and yeah. you go and you touch him, and that's and the end of the him. level. Sometimes it's a chick. Sometimes they're they're uh, tied to a pole. Sometimes I, one level there's a, like a it looks like a warhead uh, stuck in the ground. I mean, so that part of the game. I mean, you're right. This is sort of like a budgety game. And you would think what what stuns me is uh, is they went to all the work to put all those weapons in, and they went to all the work to put all the different levels of where you can go in. You would think that they would have tried to at least differentiate. The endings, because you know, to make it a little more interesting. But they well, they here's really here's my personal theory on this, Aaron. My yeah. personal theory is they didn't expect anybody to actually make it to the end of these <laughs> of these levels. This is one tough mamma jamma. You start out with three lives, and this is a one hit kill game. And yeah. the action is fast, and the action is furious. The enemies in this game, some of the dumbest enemies I've ever seen in my life. These guys amble about like guys and like zombies basically they they fire indiscriminately they're not necessarily after you they're just excited to be there and fire their weapon sometimes they just <laughs> move from one side of the screen to the other and they pass yeah. on to parts unknown yeah, so the, f- the problem is is that they it, it, this game involves very little tactical strategy other than just avoiding the maze of bullets that you encounter in every level yeah uh, this game does scroll in multiple directions most of the most of the levels tend to follow an s type pattern yeah 
where you start out moving vertically, the action shifts left and you move to the left for a while, then you shift back up, shift to the right, and then you complete the level. That's the way that I noticed most of these going on. Um, the action or the, the stages themselves, the graphics are pretty good. Uh, you, whenever you move to the, the various levels, you see, uh, you know, ground that I, I, I wouldn't call it, you know, necessarily specific to the region. But every level, I think, looks sufficiently different from every other level, at least at the beginning. I'm sure they reuse some tiles. That, what I enjoyed yeah, was that you're moving you're moving through different sorts of environments. This isn't all jungle. You know, one of the worst things about most of these games is that every level is a jungle level because it's, you know, it's supposed to evoke that sort of, a, you know, quasi-Vietnam era movie like Rambo or something like that. In this game, you're moving through city environments. You see city streets. You see parked cars. You see storefronts. All that stuff, you know, I thought added a lot to the atmosphere of the game. However, what I would have liked to have seen is a lot less enemies and a lot more tactical using the environment around you to perform, you know, to, to, to make it through each level. If they would have had, you know, enemies taking cover behind various things where you were actually motivated to use all the different weapons that are at your disposal, that really would have added to the experience and made this a really good game. You know, I'll, part of me wanted to like this game. And the reason is, is because the game, it, it has a lot going for it. I do like the idea of being able to pick multiple areas. I like the I like the gun situation. I'm like you. I don't know what they are, but it's still cool. And I and I wanted it to be better than it was. The multiple areas. They're really only five or so different types of terrain: desert and jungle and forest. And it's not that. And they use the same crap over and over and a lot of places that didn't make sense like for whatever reason you're down in australia there's a bunch of coolies down there i don't understand that and it, uh but uh, uh it is sort of varied to a certain degree it's not like it's all 100 the same but it's close uh the weapons you know i wanted the weapons boat to be tailored to the individual levels and but as far as i could tell it's not like in one level like you said earlier like here come the tanks pretty much the same crap is around most of the time and so it does that takes an element of uh, that would be interesting out of it uh, or even having a team up where you've got one guy with the heavy lumber and you got one guy with the with the quicker firing stuff i mean it's going to work on every level it's not really worth tailoring your play style to certain levels because there's really not that much of a difference in the level. Yeah, and that that leads me to my single biggest problem with this game is that every single time that you start over, you have to reload your weapon loadout. The first time that you go through and you pick your weapons, it feels pretty cool. You're like, oh man, I'm picking, I'm going through the armory, I'm picking out my ammo, I'm picking out my guns, but when you die the fifth or sixth time and you're just trying to make it through the level, the last thing you want to do is spend, you know, one to three minutes going through your loadout. What they should have done was just have an option that says continue with the same weapons as before. Yes or no. And then you get back into it. What I did was actually created a save state at the beginning of every level. And whenever I die, I just reload that save state. I wouldn't use, I wouldn't scum save states, but I would, I would just reload that way. I wouldn't have to go through picking the weapons. That was such a drag. Uh, you know, I I played this on the Unamiga, so I couldn't have you save states, but that's exactly what you should do. Smart man, Boat, because that is a drag. Uh, listen, I, giving you three men on this, this is a, you know, this game was this close mm-hmm. to being a good game. Yeah. Why not I have agree. a life bar of some sort? I know it's old school, but I mean, why not have a, I mean, it's too crazy not to have a life bar and only give you three men. I will, I'm, now, I'm sure there are great people. 
uh, we're watching the uh, the uh, World of Lawn Plays guy go through this, and he's k- killing it. Okay, mm-hmm. but guess what? Whoever played this is a, is all man because your boy, your good buddy Aaron, can't do this well. Now it's funny though, as you play this game, you sort of get used to the cadence of the soldiers, and you can get better at it. I mean, I got better by playing it, but I mean, still, it's just so much crap going on. And one of the things that really bothered me was that the projectiles would often get lost in the background. That happened to me tons of times. And you would get killed, and you'd be like, what the heck was that? Well, it's because the bullets, the little white bullets, were coming over the white cobblestones or whatever. You couldn't see them. You know what I mean? Uh, so that was a, that was a hang-up I had. The graphics on this, I would not call them great. I would call them passable. But, I mean, this is the Amiga, man. This is, this is a, just a few steps above what you would see on the Spectrum. In terms of the actual quality of the of the drawings, I expect a little bit better, frankly, uh, than this. I think they could have done better, and I th- that's now. But I mean, it, does that break the game? No. I mean, you can get by with the graphics that they've got, but I mean, you could do better. You could do a lot better uh, with the with, with you know the tools at hand. Uh, you know but- what? What they've tried to do with this game is they've tried to turn an arcade style shooter into more of a strategic simulation title by giving you, you know, a very, very small amount of lives by giving you no on-field power-ups. You know, one of the things that I noticed, you know, I went back and I played Akari Warriors on the Amiga just to get an, just to get another example of, of this sort of game. And you don't realize how much it adds to the game to just have power-ups on the field that you can pick up, how much it adds to the variety. In this game, you have nothing to do but kill other dudes and blow stuff up. There is nothing else to do in this game. And this game really could have benefited from having health pickups on the field, from having different things that you... Having health hookups wouldn't help given you have no health. Right, right. But but having something to pick up, you know, I I realized that they wanted to make it ultra-realistic by not putting, you know, ammo pickups on the field or whatever. But man, it just the the tedium of this game just gets super, super old because there's literally just nothing else to do. This game, if this game was trying to be ultra realistic in any way, I mean, for God's sake, you've got three tons of ammo strapped to your back. Yeah, so, yeah, like, I, I, try, know yeah I, I know what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, but uh, and and then also you're fighting four hundred kabillion idiots that come strolling out. But I mean, you know, and the sad thing about this thing, boat, is I actually sort of like this game, even in its deplorable state. I still play this thing quite a bit. Part of it was because it was just so it was almost hypnotic to get into the way the troops move, so you could sort of kind of scope how they're going to come. There is a weird, like I said, I can't explain what you pick up on, but I could get, I could get farther than you would expect someone like me to get in this. Now, game. did I you could, did I you use a level? Did you not, use you know, the invincibility cheat at all? I in did this not. Game? No, okay. I didn't know about it, but I didn't use. I it, did but. use it, and I enjoyed this game a lot with the invincibility cheat yeah. turned on. You know, there's something very cathartic. It's it's very similar to a game like Walker. Where you know just mowing dudes down with no yeah. you know with no, with no with no trouble, and I did enjoy seeing how the levels were laid out because that does give you sort of a, an eye inside the mind of of these developers what they were going for. I just think that they overdid it on the, on the difficulty. Or you can make some di- uh, you know obviously you get different amounts of money for different missions in this game. Yeah, it would have been great if they would have toned down the difficulty just a little bit for those lower priced missions. Just to give the player some sense of accomplishment that they can at least complete one level without too much trouble. Here's, I'm just going to get a little checklist in my head, okay? Here's what I want to see this added to this game when somebody remakes it. 
Number one, a health bar. Okay, we can both agree on that. Mm -hmm. Number two, more diverse missions. All right, I mean, I really think these aren't that diverse at all. Number three, where? Why can't I get in a jeep? Yeah, you know, why can't I get in a tank? I want I want some vehicles up in this sucker. It's you know another Akari Warriors thing. Get in the you know, tank because roll that's cool. I yeah. mean, am I wrong? There are You're vehicles in this. Why can't I drive love to see these that. things? Yeah, they you put know? them in the game already. Number four, flesh out your manual and and then you with all the trouble to make this game flesh it out a little bit. Number five, make the ammo uh, like you said, uh, some kind of standard loadout would be would be cool. You know, in this now it does have multiplayer. I believe me and you actually tried multiplayer. Uh, back when we played this, I know uh, uh, I've played this uh, with uh, the boy over the week. He didn't like it that much. We gave it, we gave it a whirl. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, the you know that it's cool. You could actually that helps if you have someone there to you know has the someone has the big weapons and someone has the small weapons. Uh, we should say that the you know here we are. It's a game where you need two buttons and you've got one button. What do you do? Well, uh, and this is in the manual. And I will say I thought it was kind of funny. If you're playing a one player. You can you any key on the left hand side of the keyboard will shoot will switch your weapons. Right. Yeah. Okay. Now and I, now I'm assuming I didn't play this with the uh, with the gamepad. I used just my Wico. I'm assuming that they probably did they add second button support to WHD load. They did, did not. Know? They did they not did add second really. button support. So you know I use the in, in, the way that they did it is great. You know if you have to if you have to shoehorn in the keyboard, make it this way where yeah. literally any key on the left side of the keyboard because when you're hot and heavy in the action, just being able to reach down and just mash a key that's the way you want to switch your weapon. I will say though this buttons this game screens for two button support because when you have to take your hand off the stick even for a second. You could be getting screwed. Now yeah. there are luckily there are some areas you could go to where the accident slows way down if you scoot. And this is another thing you have to learn about this game. You can't you can't just walk through the game like you're King Dong. You've got to scoot through this game like you're King Puss mm-hmm. because you if you start going full bore, you're hosed. Yeah. Also, they've got some hidden stuff in the game, like some hidden weapons that come after you, like flamethrowers that come out of the ground. And if you've got a grenade, these things you can't shoot them. So if you better bring some heavy duty booty, some good ammo with you, or you're or you're not going to get very far either because these things can shoot flames right across the screen. So there's some stuff like that. I mean, as for a, I'm assuming this thing. I don't have an opening price. I didn't get a price. I'm assuming this is a budget release when it came out. I can't imagine that this was a full price game. Sort of like the, uh, and I, it's funny the docs almost looked like they came in a tape. I was mm-hmm. when I saw that. Did you notice that? I mean, it looked I did like notice they, that. It looked like they photocopied like the, the insert from a cassette. Right, uh, but uh, uh, and I didn't see any of these on eBay or any that had sold on eBay for this or the Atari ST. Really? Yeah. So huh. I found boxes, but I didn't actually see the actual thing for sale or get any pricing on it. Uh, so who knows, man? I should mention. Speaking of the Atari ST here, but I'm gonna I'm gonna pull this thing up. As I mentioned, this came out on the Atari ST uh, and was, uh, as far as I can tell, was ported over to the Amiga. I mean, it had to have been because it says in the opening of this game that it was ported over. Uh, the games are the. It's almost perfect. This, I mean, they're almost identical. The one element you can see that's different is the sc- is the scrolling on the Amiga version versus the Atari ST version. It's funny coming off the ARG we just did. I could pick up on this stuff a lot easier than I would have before. The Amiga has a nice uh, uh, scroll, whereas the the uh, Atari scroll is a little jittery. Yeah, you know, very very like, similar to so many of these. Like the Adams family is the exact same way. If you look yeah. at the ST version, and so when you and when you know when you know what to look for, I know this for a lot of you guys. You've probably known for decades, but for me and Boat, we have never fooled with an ST that much. 
But uh, otherwise, graphically, this thing is pretty much a dead ringer. I mean, almost in every way to the mm-hmm. ST, as you, as you can tell if you're watching the video. So I don't think you're going to do better or worse by going from one to the other. I think you're pretty much going to be getting about the, about the, uh, about the same experience. Um, I looked this thing up on the e- on the uh, ratings here. I, got, I went over to Lim and to check it, check out how we did on this thing. And um, amazingly, the ratings were all over the board here, uh, Boatster. Uh, so uh, Lemon gives us a 7.04. So uh, again, it's funny. I think last week's game was a 7 on the dot. Mm-hmm. So this is, they gave this a very similar score. Amiga Action gave this thing 58%. They dropped the hammer. Uh, Amiga Joker. Well, I think Amiga Action is the one that gives, it's only out of 60, isn't it? One of those, Amiga, we really need to establish one. which yeah, one. I, yeah. yeah, but it wasn't, it's not Amiga Action. Okay. Amiga Joker, you know they don't take any crap. They gave us a 59, and Amiga Power on their in their July 92, since they were several years old, you know what? They they punish old games. 27%. Yeah, oh, my gosh. That's CU, harsh. That's yeah, CU Amiga harsh. gave it a 66, and uh, the Games Machine gave it an 83, and uh, 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 I guess this is a German magazine, a Dator Magazine, uh, in their uh, number 16, uh, 1989 issue, get this 7 out of 10. That's probably your, the high water mark for this game. So it was not it was not widely praised. But, I mean, all things considered, I mean, I think we've played, listen, we've played a lot of games, Boatster, over the years. And this was not, I didn't find this game offensive or 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 like garbagey. You I know, one, it was thing, okay. one thing that I do want to mention is that for a game like this, the music did not make me want to turn the music off. Yeah, it was good. Uh, so, I mean, it, it, it was a good pump and tune. It had enough variety. The yeah, the, the 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 length was fine, so it didn't yeah. get too repetitive. So that is worth mentioning because with a lot of games like this, it gets real old real quick. Yeah, the music. I mean, they brought in Whitaker. He he knows his stuff. Mm. You know, and which is, I, I wonder if he. I looked over his the all of his titles, and he worked on a lot of good stuff, and he worked on a lot of duds. So I guess at the time they were just you worked on everything. It's not like they brought because I mean think about it. This is the guy that worked on like Shadow of the Beast for God's sakes, right? I mean top tier. You know he's been he went all over the map. You know mm. that's for sure. That's another uh, thing that makes me question if this was a budget title or not too, because I don't know that they'd waste David Whitaker on a budget title. Well, that's what I was saying. Trust me, he was wasted plenty. Okay. Yeah, looking over his stuff. <laughs> Maybe not. I mean, he was collecting a paycheck no matter what. So I mean, think about it. He's he did Fright Night. Yeah, you know? that's true. So, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> it's not like it's not like he was reserved for only great stuff. He did quick, a lot of crap too. Quick bit of real time follow up from the chat. Barkbit informs us that Dater Magazine is Swedish. Oh, I'm sorry. Thank you, Barkbit. There you go. This now, is what happens when you've got the international gang in your chat. That's right. Room. You now, we answers. did get some international reviews from our Discord channel, Beautiful. Aaron. What Lord do you Soup, he says, oh, yeah, this is my turf. This is a classic example for me of a flawed, unexceptional game that one can enjoy despite its problems, and I love this game. I won't reveal the exploits, but it's basically Commando slash Akari Warriors with an outfitting screen between missions. Load yourself up with ARs, SMGs, LMGs, even handguns. If you want, you can even grab Old Painless herself. Maybe I shouldn't, but I love this game. I doubt many would rate it too well, but for me, 9 out of 10. Did I mention the minigun? Neg Soul writes, 1989 game with a touchy topic. Here in Germany, this game was indexed. 
Uh, and remember, Aaron, that this is this was part of that that list that we've we've talked about a, a couple times. Yeah, and this did mention Nazis in it. I yeah. wager that's a good reason why. Uh, and uh, and so I never saw it in the stores back then. I gave it a try and must say it reminds me of one of the C64 games Commando and Who Dares Wins 2 and Amiga games Warzone, Fernandez Must Die and Special Forces. Dogs of War has fast action, great weapon detail and very nice music. I personally didn't like the weapon buy aspects without being able to save setups. All in all, a bit too fast for me. Instant death, mostly by enemies spawning too fast. All in all, I give it a 6 out of 10. I personally prefer a round of special forces on my Amiga. And finally, living legend Graham Webkey writes, If you know me, you know I love top-down gaming on 8- and 16-bit systems. If we crossed Rambo First Blood Part 2 and Akari Warriors, this is the gist of this run-and-gun game, which I first played on an Atari ST a long time ago. I believe this Amiga version of the game is essentially a good port of that ST game. You do have a decent selection of weapons to use, and some of the missions are more fun than others. Its graphics are okay for the game, but you would expect better on the Amiga. Sounds and music suit the game, but are not showstoppers. This game is better in two-player mode than single-player mode. I feel many of the missions make more sense in co-op, and the environments used lend to this. Overall, it's 6 out of 10 in single-player mode and 8 out of 10 in co-op. That wraps up this week's reviews from our uh, Everything Amiga, our Amigos Retro Gaming uh, Discord channel, Aaron. You know what? You know what? Remember a game called New York Warriors? Yes. Uh, this, yes. This, I think this is kind of on the same. I think I like New York Warriors a little bit more. But this, it's got a little bit more visual variety. Well, it's to it, wacky that's for sure. too. Yeah. Uh, but I, this reminds me of that uh, uh, quite a bit. And something else that occurred to me as I was loading up my guy. Why? I, and maybe someone can address this to me, but why would you ever take like the handgun, for example? Or like, yeah. why would you take the crappier guns? I mean, I guess the ammo loadout. There are I mean, there are lots of things about the weapons. Like for example, they give you reliability ratings on the weapons, but I never had I, a weapon freeze up on me. I don't yeah, know what that means. I was wondering about that too. You, I, I'm glad you mentioned that because I saw that too, and I was like, I, I don't know what some of that stuff means. Maybe if you're a gun and aficionado, which uh, me and you are absolutely not that. No, no, we're the only ones in the state, by the way. <laughs> But uh, uh, maybe this stuff is exciting or means something to you. But I mean, in all honesty, they could have almost just not put that screen in and it wouldn't hurt my feelings. I mean, it, I know it adds an element of, uh, you know, I almost would rather just pick the guns up like you traditionally do as pickups. Yeah. Because yeah. that way, when you get a wacky gun, you're like, what's this do? Oh, oh look at that. What's that one do? Whoa, Again, you know, it, it adds it adds variety to the game. I can I can understand both ways, you know, why they why they did it the way they did it. But, you know, I definitely prefer a, a ground pickup scene for sure. Uh, Pixels at Dawn informs us that this was almost full price on release. Nineteen ninety nine over in the UK. Holy moly. That's yeah. asking a lot, Boaster. It's asking a lot. What do you think? Would you pay full price for this? this Not on your going? life. Not on your life. This is this is this would probably be a, a budget release pickup for me. You know, you know what you're getting into. It's a fun and gun, but uh, I would be disappointed if I paid full price for this upon release. These are those kind of games where, like, you get to get. I could see this like after school. Mm -hmm. You and your buddy come over to the house and you just blow through this thing for a couple hours. And it's a good time. I, yeah. That I can see, especially if you're younger. But now, now that I've got a more uh, uh, refined palate, palette. that's yeah. right, Boat. It's I call I find it a little wanting. I'll tell you what's not wanting, Aaron. Are people that are awesome, and people that are awesome are people like Ray, the video guy, because he's left us a review on the Apple Podcast app. You know, we're what? trolling 
for reviews on the Apple Podcast app all the time. Any Anybody that has not done this yet, please do so. This, guys, I can't tell you how important this is to helping spread the word, even if you're not an Apple Podcast user. So many different services use this as their point of reference when they recommend podcasts to other people. Uh, if you could leave us a review like Ray the Video Guy did, he says, and get this, Aaron, there's never been more truth spoken in a review. Of all the Amiga podcasts, this is one of them. As an Amiga user in the U.S., from the moment the A500 came out, I love this podcast. They really help bring out the nostalgia for the best computer ever made. The podcast really is the top banana, and good enough that I will tolerate all the cocoa and Sinclair nonsense. Thank you, Ray the Video Guy. We salute you. I, that was a backhanded compliment. <laughs> Clearly, Ray's been listening for a while. Yeah. Because he said we were the top bananas. That... <laughs> and thank of course, you, Ray. we want to thank uh, Hasifa for suggesting Dogs of War to the Amigos Game Selection Committee over on Discord. Yeah. And if, if you would like to become a member of the Amigos Game Selection Committee, head on over to patreon.com slash Amigos Podcast, where you can get all kinds of cool perks, including membership on our Discord server, getting ready to send out the yearly magnets uh, to our supporters. Always a good time. And, uh, you know, you can help us pick the games. Help us pick the games that we play every single week on the we Amigos Podcast. Yeah. Now... Aaron, we need to thank some other fine folks, not only Ray the Video Guy, but all the fine folks that support us on Twitch. Uh, a Twitch subscription gets you those same sweet, sweet benefits that a Patreon uh, subscription does. You can join the fun just like Gelmet72 has, Jigglebox, Still Adolescing, Old B Sturgeon, Litwarski, Uber Scuba Diver, Great Owl G, Hermski, Coconut 81, Retro Jerry, Roshi MSX, Wishbone, Pints and Amiga, Spy Hunter 2016, Memories of a Spectrum Gamer, Gary Heather, Macintosh Librarian, Frodo NL, Mitsuyama, Christian Russell, Wing Chun Wolf, Buck Owens, Roscoe 500, and RMC Retro. Thank you guys so much for subscribing to us on Twitch. You're helping support the show in ways that you can never imagine. Or maybe you, you actually probably can't imagine them if you mm. really think hard. Um, so, Aaron, last week the uh, we had some new action on our Discord uh, high score competitions. <laughs> some new action. Um, that's right. Some new action. It's not that old action. We're tired wow. of the old action. We want the new action all the time. We have, uh, of course, we still continue on with the, uh, what's a Seymour and the Nasty Duncans. I don't know what this I've, game I've is actually try called. This, game. It's, this, this, <laughs> is, this is the Smarty and the Smarty and the Nasty Gluttons. There we yes. go. That's the name of this thing. That's the name of this game. Uh, we we have uh, some new high scores. Uh, people are coming out of the woodwork to take part in this challenge. Sundown still reigns supreme. Z nine K nine far uh, not far behind with Barkbit in third. And of course, in the Specky High Score Challenge, we have a new High Score Challenge this week. Aaron, they've wrapped around all of the games that we played on Arsene Sinclair, and they've started again. We are playing Hypersports this week, Aaron. You and I both need to jump in here because we both love oh, uh, some Hypersports. I do like Hypersports. I've seen some incredible scores whizzing by. I know. Yeah, I don't think anybody is going to beat Z9K9. He has a score of seven hundred and se- or I'm sorry, two hundred seventy-two thousand eight hundred fifty-eight. That's an unbelievable score for Hypersports. I am not going to do that well, but I'm going to give it my best shot. I didn't really pay attention to the scores that much until recently. And when I looked at those scores, then I thought to myself, my God, because I watched, I, I don't know how they do it. 
you have to really go in there and milk the points, Boat. Yeah, yeah. And speaking of milking the points, last week's Patreon song, Aaron, I'll tell you who milked the points. Nobody. Duncan Styles oh. did. Someone Duncan got Styles, that? our only, our only uh, winning entry, he got it correct. I try. I, I, I skewed seasonal, and I went with uh, "Gone Till November." Do you know this song, Aaron? I think you skewed suckery. Is what I thought. That was uh, that rendition. I couldn't identify that on a bet. I've never heard that one, but okay. Well, this was a song. It was popular when I was in college. It was when you were in your uh-huh. early forties. Probably not college too music. too top on the on the top forty at that time. But uh, but Who anyway, sang that one boat. That was Wyclef Jean. Oh my God! Listen, how about something someone's heard of? Get yeah. that guy out of here. Nobody's heard of that guy. It was only the top. It was only a number three hit in in the UK. Have number you heard three. of the Fugees, Aaron? No. Okay. Well, he was he was part of the Fugees. Yeah, not a fan. Not a fan of the Fugees. No. Okay. Well. Maybe you'll be a fan of this week's Patreon song. Uh, if you know this week's Patreon song, this is a full band ordeal. Uh, and uh, we invite you to come along on the journey with us right now. Send me a message at johnamigospodcast.com if you know this song. Heavy systems ain't funky, Fred, Lord, not violent. Hold of hope, Jonah, a.k.a. Simlin Hunsky. Ethan Little, Jeremy Jones. Dave Raptor, Alien Breeder, Data Dog, Link Dance, and New Cuts, and John Kirk. Bomb the Bates, Roushey, Frodo, and El Sol Incisor. Take me again, Mr. Cola, Daniel Williams, Bernard Lucas, Jerry Dennington, Star Club, Commodore Kid. Killer Fox and Caffeine Reflection, Simon Ledge, Captain Crispy Gary had a free lunch, Kate Fox, David Pickford Cameron Armstrong, Andy Jones Lobster, Minata, Bernard Quinn Ten Minute Amigo, Retro Cats Colorado, Robbo, Horror, RMC, Tim Drew, Simon Rose, Andy Craig, Joseph Harrison, Matthew Larimore, Sean Sobotman, Roland Berg, Andrew Marks, Joe the Zombie, Chakotay Levelore.
Bob John Marshall, Matthew Perron Ricky DeRoche, Creepy Dead Boy, Biggie CDC Stephen Salton, Martin Sand The Slow Norris, Stephen Helen Christopher Hassel, Rabbi Abbott Blanco, Stanley Park, Dreamcatcher See Brian Jones Paul Harrington Tapes from the crypt Big Stars, Josh Nett Adam Bradley, Jonas Rulo Kim, Tommy, Humberstadt Daniel Benson, Aaron Coles THT Brutal Barracuda Someone's picks the dawn and kill beyond bomb. Oh yeah, man. That was golden. That was golden boat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that was a uh, big, big ups to the Patreon band for that one. That one is by far the most complicated song that we've attempted so far. I think I knew that one, but I, I, I had to ponder it, boat. That yeah. was good. That was good. You guys, that was that was some actual tight musicianship there. I don't know how you line that crap up over the, you know, the, especially with our internet. I don't know how you do it. Well, it's 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 a process, and I do want to thank uh, again uh, the uh, the the full Patreon band there. That is uh, uh, Boss Man on drums, uh, Reflection on guitar, Pixels at Dawn on vocals, uh, and uh, for the first time, hopefully not the last time, the one and only Figgy CTZ. And if you were watching that on the video stream, make sure you check out the re-uploaded version I'm going to put on YouTube. I have some video footage of Figgy playing the piano solo. Somehow, there there were some screwy things that happened as I was uploading. The first time I uploaded the video, it had no audio. Aaron sent me a message. He's like, I can't hear anything. So yeah, no uh, one's going to identify uh, the song off this boat. I said that was a, <laughs> an extra level of difficulty. You just have to yeah. read Pix's lips and somehow <laughs> somehow know what he's singing. <laughs> so um, at any rate. Uh, we do thank all of our Patreon supporters. Thank you guys so much uh, for uh, continuously supporting the show year after year after year. In a lot of cases, it is, it is much appreciated. Uh, and, and we do we do thank you all. Um, you know, who else we should thank is the fine, fine folks who have joined us live uh, through the good times, through the bad times. At the beginning of the stream, when things were a little shaky, but I guess things so that the clouds have parted, the sunlight is shining through the hills of West Virginia, Mr. and we Blue have a clear... Sky. Yeah. We have a clear signal. That's right. Uh, the first person we should thank is our tireless moderator, Pixels at Dawn Gaming, doing doing the Lord's work, banning the suckas, as, as he does often. Uh, we got Tenmark here in the chat with us this week. Hello, Tenmark. Barkbit is here all the way from Sweden, Hawaii, representing from Bike Me, Buck Owens, the great, great state of Iowa. I know where all these people are from. Christian Amazing. Russell. He lives somewhere, and it's, it's, it's that weird location that's like Brittany, Cornwall, Devonshire, that area, you know, that county in, 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 the, in the British section of the Isles. Um, Commander Root, Cobrian, Kate, Crazy I See, Ed Van Helland broadcasting live from the Man Cave, inverted broadcast through his eyes. Eeyore 4077 from Amigo Studios East. Electrical Longboard, of course, has joined us today. Figgy 78, Frodo. NL, 
uh, from the Netherlands and Norway representing Gary Heather. Another great UK person. We got Jason Warns from up or way up north in Canada. Uh, John Marshall from right here in Charleston, West by God. Jost 80 is with us. Uh, Mitsuyama, Mr. Cola, uh, Neg Sol, Ulav Hoop, Picard 2010, Finland, large and in charge, real refi, rock and the guitar, Rob O'Hara from Oklahoma. Uh, we got. Uh, Saddest Kitty, Rubber Slayer, you know, the usual. Treyguard, 82, now and again. VNK, Vigoro Pros, and Z9K9. Thank you guys so much. It makes the, it makes the show so much more fun uh, looking at the chat as we do it, knowing that there's there's people watching live. Yeah, man. So. You know, I'm glad before I, you know, as usual, Boat, we almost left the show before I made important announcements. That I, oh, every time you go let's to the hear chats, your important announcements. You know, <clears throat> uh, just a, a, a week from today, boat uh the deal will go down maybe depend on the internet <laughs> something <laughs> it may, may go, go down. down literally yeah but one week from today uh at 9 a.m eastern standard time it will be the arg thanks for giving marathon oh thanks for giving marathon what is that well normally me and brent and sometimes boat we get in here we spin a bunch of well uh, we you say normally this has happened exactly one time in that's the past, right well so. listen normally that's what would happen right now but the but uh due to wacky situation uh this is going to be the all remote special where brent and me uh do this from our various homes but we're going to play uh, we're gonna play uh, uh, oh eight or nine hours of games, and what we're gonna do here, boat, we've decided, and we're gonna release a schedule this week. But we're actually gonna we're gonna put up some shows based on those lock pieces on the wheel, uh, and I Brent's got a schedule made up, which we'll, we'll announce uh, the whole enchilada on uh, on our ARG presents Sunday. But prepare yourself for. Uh, some uh, some ZX Spectrum, some Atari, some Coco, and God knows what else. Plus us playing just a bunch of stuff. Should be a lot of fun, Boat. Uh, no, this is no fundraiser. Just eight hours of just illing and chilling, having a good time. And we'd sure love it if you could uh, hook up with us on Twitch, tune in, and have a good time with us. Uh, we we had a good time last now, year. This now, we are today. also going to be broadcasting an episode of Amigos at the very end. Of, That's right. Uh, yeah, I'm going to transition from, a, in fact, I'm pretty much 5 o'clock on the nose, the ARG, thanks for getting Marathon Land, and then I will transition over for an extra hour of some Amigos, everything Amiga podcast. What are we playing next week, by the way? Next week, we are going to be playing Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, the graphic adventure. Oh, man. <laughs> That's going to be an intense one. I, I don't think I've ever played that one, Boat. And uh, uh, this comes to us uh, chosen by Amigos Game Selection Committee member Zorglub. Oh, Zorglub, beautiful. And so we've got that going on. So that, that next Friday is going to be a huge day. Huge. You're going to be online the whole time. Then, Boat, on December 12th, the, the deal goes down. It will be International Computer Club. Oh, yeah. Two. Two, I can't boat. wait. I'm so excited. It will be a happening as uh, various pundits and, and, and experts all convene on Zoom uh, to get down and funky with some International Computer Club, which we will broadcast on Twitch for free. Everyone can attend, and we would love for you to show up uh, and uh, join us on Twitch for International Computer Club. The chat room will be hopping. Uh, if you are a member of the Discord community uh, on the Amigos Retro Gaming community, 
That means uh, anyone from uh, Sprite Castle or Pixel Gaiden or ARG or the Amigos, anyone on our, on our unified uh, Discord is eligible to join us on on Zoom and uh, chat with us. And if you are not or aren't so inclined, you can just hop on Twitch and hop in the chat room. It should be a good time. I'll now, are there any uh, are there any any spots left for Discord members to actually present, or are all the slots full at this point? If you get in tonight, as I, as we record this live tonight or tomorrow, I think we can. If you want something, you can get in. I looked over the sheet. And we've got, a, we believe it or not, we've got a pretty good docket. I think we've got six, six or seven people that have, that want to uh, get in on it. Now, what, uh, people have asked me. They've said, "Hey, amigo, Aaron, what could we, what are we gonna do in this thing?" Hey, listen, it's a, it's, it's, it's a crazy time, but you can do whatever you want, can't you? you do buddy? whatever you want. I'm gonna be wanna, naked. If you want to send in a video for us to, to uh, enjoy, go ahead. If you want to uh, be there live, like last time. Uh, Edvin gave us a live tour of his uh, man cave, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want to give a talk or a demonstration live, you can. If you want to send in footage and talk over it, you can. Literally, there are no rules, pretty much. You can do whatever you want. Uh, if it's classic computer or retro gaming related or console related, we're down. You know, anything anything goes. So we'll be uh, more than happy to have you come around. It should be a lot of fun. That's December 8th, 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Boat. And uh, I think this will be a good time. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Super excited, super excited. All right, guys. Well, that's going to wrap up this week, uh, this week's edition of Amigos. As always, thank you so much for listening, especially if you're one of the people that stick it out all the way to the bitter, bitter end of the podcast. Uh, We appreciate you, and we will be back next week for ARG's Thanks for Giving Marathon. Don't forget, tune in extra, extra early. Tune in nine hours early for Amigos next week and enjoy nine hours of gaming with the Brent and Amigo Aaron for the ARG Thanks for Giving Marathon. And then we will cap off the evening with a new episode of Amigos featuring Indiana Jones and The Last Crusade, the graphic adventure. We'll see you guys then. Until then, adios. adios.